Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. In professional sports, a franchise player is an athlete who is not simply the best player on their team, but one that the team can build their franchise around for the foreseeable future. to another edition of Franchise Players. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by Hot Rod Funderburg and Brandon Blakeney. You can follow Tobacco Road Sports Radio on Twitter at Tobacco Radio. Um, got, I just want to jump right into it because we had a lot of stuff to discuss over the past week in the NFL draft. We're off on Mondays like normal. So this is the first time we've really had a chance to really get into it. But before we get into the NFL draft, of course, really, I think the story that kind of dwarfed the draft, that's even possible, is this whole situation with Aaron Rodgers. So let's get into that. First, uh, Aaron Rodgers telling the Packers he does not want to return to the team. Is he bluffing? I'll put that question out there uh, for you guys to, to kick this off with. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is being serious when he says he'll, he'll retire? I personally think Aaron Rodgers is being serious, Diz. I really do. This hot rod. This your man, hot rod, by the way. I'm going to tell you what. Aaron Rodgers has come up through the ranks, man. This guy has seen. We've all watched what happened with Brett Favre. Bring in Aaron Rodgers. That means Brett Favre is getting ushered right out the door. And, of course, you know, Brett Favre hop, hopped around the league a little bit. Aaron Rodgers is not a fool. He sees what's coming down the pipeline. Guess what? Aaron Rodgers is also not owed any more guaranteed money this year. Mm. So he can roll on up out of there, find his own deal. But he is serious. He's also upset with the franchise for, number one, drafting a quarterback last year and has the years that Aaron Rodgers has been there the, the Green Bay Packers have not really seemed like they galvanized around him to give him the help he needed through the draft. So I think he's finally at the end. He said, hey, you know what? Y'all took this pill. Swallow your pill now. You drafted this guy. Whether or not you meant to draft him, you did draft this quarterback last year. I'm gone. I can find myself at the Oakland Raiders in a Tom Brady position where the only thing they need is a quarterback not to screw it up and let the oh, defense man. and everybody else play. That's what Aaron Rodgers is thinking right now. Hell, if... um. My man Deshaun Watson wasn't in trouble down in Houston. You're talking about Aaron Rodgers possibly doing a straight-up trade, going to Houston and Deshaun Watson coming up to the Green Bay Packers. Oh I mean, Lord. there's a lot. Yeah, there, <laughs> hey, wow. I'm telling you, but I think he's serious. That's just my thoughts, Dez, my thoughts. Brandon, your thoughts initially when you start, because we've heard this before. We've I think this happened last year where there was like rumblings after the draft that, you know, Aaron wanted out. He didn't like they drafted Jordan Love, yada, yada, yada. And then he promptly turns around, gets the Packers to a game within the Super Bowl for the second year in a row and wins the league MVP. So it's kind of blurry as to well, it was blurry as to what we thought uh, Aaron wanted. But what were your thoughts, Brandon, when you first heard this really at the beginning of the draft? That's the thing that kind of threw me off that this all came out on Thursday, like hours before the draft was supposed to start and it shifted all the attention to uh, Aaron Rodgers. Do you think he's bluffing? Oh, absolutely not. Um, Aaron Rodgers doesn't even seem like the type of guy that would bluff. 
um, about something like this of this magnitude. I think an interesting stat for me was that the first first round draft pick, as far as receivers go, that he completed a, pla- a pass to was Tavon Austin. Yeah, Tavon. When was I mean, Tavon Austin on the Packers? I think that they continued to smack the guy yeah, after the Cowboys off. traded him. Oh man! See, here's the problem though: the Packers had the number one offense in the league last year, didn't they? And they, I want to say like, the, oh, I mean, like yard I don't was. Know if they were number one or not, but I, I mean, they were up you, there. You got the reigning MVP. Yeah, they definitely yeah. were up there. I mean, Aaron Rodgers put that group on his back. I mean, Devontae Adams is a top ten wide receiver. Um, I forgot who they had at running back, but he wasn't no no joke. I mean, it's not like it's not like he has nothing. Yeah, I think that is who it is. But I mean, they're not. It's not like Green Bay doesn't have talent. It'd be one thing if like they were just barren. They had nothing and they left Aaron with nothing. On the other hand, I think for Aaron, I think he saw what Tampa did with Tom Brady. I think that was the straw that broke his back in terms of Tom Brady shows up to Tampa. Anybody that shows up cut by a team or was a former name or just somebody that might help, you don't know, or willing to take a chance on, they signed all of them. Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette. Like, all these dudes uh, got Gronk out of retirement, and it all paid off. I mean, and, and Tampa won a Super Bowl. And Aaron Rodgers is probably sitting there like, well, why can't we do that in Green Bay? Like, why couldn't have we put a feeler out on Antonio Brown? Why couldn't we put a feeler out on Leonard Fournette? Lord knows they need a, a running back, like a stable one. Like, why aren't they doing these things? And Tampa got those guys cheap, like pennies on the dollar, and won a Super Bowl with them. So, well, I kind of see say- his point. Aaron Jones is one of the best backs in the league, though. Like, right. We can't we can't say they don't have a stable. Like back. what like what does he what does he want? What does Aaron Rodgers want? Because he's got a good well, running back. He's got Henry Ruggins here, you know? last year instead of Jordan Love. Yeah, I mean, I understand his whole get me some weapons, but at 37, though, how much are weapons really gonna help him coming out of the draft at this point? You know what I mean? Like he's still gonna have to go through a couple of years of these wide receivers getting acclimated or whoever really running backs. The only position in football that you can kind of hit the ground running as a rookie is just you know, think, hit, hit the hole. And I think that's the whole reason that he probably does want out there. He's going to have to wait some years for these guys to develop. Aaron Rodgers is looking at football. He's a football aficionado. That's why he plays quarterback for the green Bay Packers. He sees that green Bay doesn't have what it takes to win a super bowl right now, whether it's on defense whether it's just those, you know, those X factor players that they have on their team. Maybe they just don't have that last it factor that Green Bay needs. And Aaron Rodgers sees that. But then the main thing was probably more important. Aaron Rodgers is upset with management, the front office. He doesn't like love being drafted, period. He has not been the same. And really, he didn't like it when LaFleur, the coach, first came there. He can say that it was a media deal and the media was fluffing it up. Aaron Rodgers has been upset with this organization of the Green Bay Packers for quite some time now, and I think it's just hit a hit. You know, uh, Stephen A. Smith on First Take on Monday kind of hinted on that. He was saying this isn't just a, a football thing anymore for Aaron Rodgers. Like, it has to do with, like, the franchise and, like, the way he's been treated. He said it's not a money thing. It's just – it's. I guess it's kind of one of those things, like, when you get to a certain point in a relationship where you, you kind of both sides know that it ain't working out, but you don't want to break it up because you've been together so long. It kind of feels like that a little bit. And I'm trying to put my, myself in the shoes of the Packers because why should the Packers trade him at all? Like, what what incentive do the Packers have to trade him? Because if he can't just he can't just leave them and go to another team. Like, if he retires, they still have to release his rights. Like, the only reason why Gronk was able to go to Tampa is because New England released his rights after he retired. Uh, it, it, this would happen to happen here. So why would the Packers allow the the reigning league MVP to retire? 
and then release his right so he could go to Atlanta or or someplace that's a quarterback away, maybe. Like, why would they do it? Like, I don't see a reason for the Packers to even engage in this. Like, I, if I'm them, I'm petty as hell. I'm like, yo, if you don't want to play for us, you're not playing for anybody. We have you under contract and now. All of a sudden, you want to dip on us? Like, what's up with that? So, yeah, boy, this is definitely the end. This is the end of the contract because he's not guaranteed any money this year, and Rodgers yeah. is not guaranteed a dollar. So, if he doesn't play, Green Bay doesn't pay him anything. So they right. might as well get. Ri- they might as well try and trade him and get something. Like you said, he's the reigning MVP. You're going to be a dumb organization like that. Realize a man wants to leave. Hey, go out to Seattle and go get Wilson. Wilson's not necessarily happy out there. Make a quarterback trade. I heard that over wanna, the weekend too. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to get rid of Aaron Rodgers and not bring in a quarterback to sustain you, especially when you got half of a chance with the Jones you mentioned in the backfield mm-hmm. and uh, Devontae Adams at the wide out. I mean, come on. You want, you want to try and give yourself a fighting chance as an organization. Neither one of you need to be petty. I mean, you're a billionaire. You're a millionaire. Aaron Rodgers, let him be the petty one. Do the business deal. Green Bay Packers is business. Get, get rid of them and get something for them. Get some value out of them. So that leads me to my third question regarding Aaron Rodgers. What, what kind of package would it take to get Rodgers out of Green Bay? Like, what do you offer for a reigning league MVP that's 37? Clearly, he's got two or three years left in him at least. And actually, might be more than that because Tom Brady's kind of shifted that, that timeline considerably. What do you offer? Like, what do you offer for a guy that might give you maybe three years in his prime, maybe one, maybe two? Because Father Tom is undefeated. It's going to hit Tom Brady eventually, too. It might be this year. Hopefully, it's this year. <laughs> but maybe with Aaron, it hits a little bit earlier. Uh, I've heard three first-round picks and a starter. Like, no. that, that, it has to be that non-negotiable. Like, you can't go any lower than that. Like, do you think that's too much for Aaron? Or, like, what would yeah, you, I, what would you I offer think, if you're another team and you're trying to get uh, him over? Yeah, I think that's too much for Aaron unless you just have, you know, <laughs> you putting everything all in on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is going to turn into Tom Brady in Tampa Bay and win you a Super Bowl. But like you said, he's got maybe three years left. And Aaron is disgruntled. So you give – one first round pick and you give a couple of players off of your team. That's it. That's it, man. The problem with that is San Francisco kind of blew up the trade market when they traded to get up to number three in the draft. They gave up two ones to Miami. uh, And I think, uh, I think a second or something too. Now it's just a move up from 12 to three or whatever it was. Uh, I think you got, that's that's the long, that's the longevity of the franchise though. You, you got to understand Aaron Rodgers. He could get hurt next year and he's gone. Yeah, so, yeah, true. in the draft, you're going to give that up because you're talking longevity. You're getting these young guys. You're getting guys who are, what, 14, 15 years younger than Aaron Rodgers. You know what I'm yeah, saying? That's true. <laughs> what, so, I mean, oh, this is so tough. Well, well Brandon, yeah. what would you give up? Brandon, if you were a GM and you're trying to bring in Aaron Rodgers, what would you comfortably give up for him at this point? He's 37, but he's also the reigning league MVP. I would give up whatever it takes because the NFL window is so freaking small, guys. We've seen it where it looks like guys have time or, you know, dynasties might be getting formed. And then, you know, teams just collapse, man. Contracts, guys leave, guys retire. I think if you're a team with enough weapons, you got to go all out for Aaron Rodgers, especially if you think you got a contender right now. Because that's a guy that can put you over the edge. I, I think he at least has three more elite seasons, maybe four of the way he's looking, especially if you surround him with like a Tom Brady Tampa type squad. Yeah. Because see, I kind of I was playing with it like, okay, 
Let's what if he what if Carolina made a deal for Aaron Rodgers and gave up two first and Jeremy Chin or something like that and, and they sent Aaron this way. You put Aaron Rodgers in an offense with Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, uh a, now a rebuilt offensive line. Like that's kind of what he's asking for. He's asking for more things to play with. Uh instead, Sam Darnold will have that <laughs> instead of Aaron Rodgers. So but but again. They've been one game away from the Super Bowl the past two years and counting, and he had such a great year last year that he was the MVP of the league. So how bad can it really be in Green Bay if they're like right there? Like it feels like they're only a player or two away from actually getting to the Super Bowl. So I I, I don't know. I, I, me personally, well, I don't think they're gonna trade him. But well, you know. Diz, that's a good question, man. Exactly. What is it? What's going on? Why does he want to get away? And I tell you what, I saw something on ESPN. Can't remember exactly uh, when it was or what day I saw it, but they were basically saying Aaron was going through uh, with the team, with the rest of the guys recently. And ta- and he just said, that's it. I'm fed up. I have mm-hmm. had it. I think he was coming out of the, uh, I don't know, play conference room, locker room, wherever it was. That's what he said. And the other teammates heard him say this. Yep. So to me, with his teammates hearing him say this, it's probably an issue with management for sure. And then there are probably some teammates who might not be on the same page as Aaron Rodgers or maybe more on the same page as LaFleur or whatever the issue might be going on in the locker room. The locker room is not steady. That's the issue. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on it with Aaron Rodgers. I'm not sure what's going to happen. If I'm the Packers, I'm not take, I'm not trading for nothing. Uh, I'm like, dude, you're going to sit here. You're going to sit here and run his locker. You're going to play or you're not going to play, but you're going to be wearing a Packers shirt while you're pouting about it. Um, let's get into the NFL draft real quick, too. Uh, got Elena Getzenberg coming up in a little bit, and we'll get deeper into the Panthers top of the draft and some of the th- the moves they did. I was very impressed with uh, GM Scott Fitterer over the weekend. Um, starting off, the first big thing, the 49ers draft, and Trey Lance apparently is the mystery quarterback that the 49ers traded up everything for. Uh, good decision or bad decision uh, to trade up for Trey? Let's start off with uh, with Brandon. Oh, wait, actually. Here we go. And I'll repeat that because Brandon actually dropped off for a second there. Uh, we moved on to the uh, the NFL draft, Brandon, uh, and talking about the 49ers draft and Trey Lance at number three, and they gave up a whole lot to get up to that spot to get to him. You think it was a good move or a bad move uh, to get Lance at number three? Um, I think it was a really good move as far as just the fit and the style of play. Um, Mac Jones in the West Coast offense doesn't sound uh, appealing at all, and I don't think it, it would have worked out <laughs> too well for them. Um, I also I'm I was a bit surprised though just because I thought Trey Lance would would maybe sit a year. I know a lot of people did and just kind of get more acclimated to like I guess the talent of the NFL and you know the DBs aren't quite the same that he's seeing from North Dakota State as in you know all SEC guys all ACC. But yeah. he had a really good pro day, man. So I'm really excited. I think they got to get some weapons around him. But he'll he'll still be able to sit. It sounds like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is still going to be the starter and Trey will be behind him. But Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt, like walking from his living room to his right. kitchen. So right. <laughs> Trey might see the field a lot quicker <laughs> than the that's 49ers what I was want him to go. Yeah, I ain't trying to. I, yeah, we ain't trying to wish injury on uh, Jimmy G. <laughs> I mean, it just is what it is at this point. <laughs> He's had like one healthy season. <laughs> I mean, Broad, what, did you, uh, what were you thinking when it got to number eight for the Panthers and uh, the Panthers and then the Broncos both passed on Justin Fields, who was still on the board? Was that a media creation or was that the fans wanting Justin Fields? Because everywhere I've looked, everyone said that the pick that Carolina had was a good pick. 
And then Denver picked uh, the other cornerback right behind him at nine. So clearly they were looking for cornerback help. And then Dallas traded out. Your boys traded out of the top 10 once those two cornerbacks were gone. So clearly they were going to get one of them. Was it was it bad for them to not draft Justin Fields? Or were, were Panther fans and Bronco, well, really Panther fans, were they not paying attention to the owner and the GM and the coach when they traded for Sam Darnold and said, this is our guy. They did it like two weeks before the draft and everyone ignored them. <laughs> They're like, Oh, you're really trying to get Justin Fields. Then they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, Darnold is their man. They couldn't draft Justin Fields. There's no way in the world the Panthers could draft Justin Fields after, you know, I mean, trade for Donald. they just, yeah, couldn't. they just, they, they had already up, committed. They gave yeah. up a second, a fourth and a six. Uh, they got back. Now, I will say Scott Fitter got back all of that trade collateral except for the second. So basically, they traded Sam Darnold for a second round pick. That ain't bad for a dude that's like, what, 24, I think, 25 uh, and had nothing in New York, like a front office on the field. You name it. He didn't have anything. So oh, no, we go from that to here. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, let's give him a fresh start. I feel like people are like, oh, he's horrible. He's the worst quarterback in the league. I'm like, have you seen the Jets roster? Like, can anyone yeah. name <laughs> anyone on the Jets roster besides Sam Darnold before he got traded? I can't, I can't name a soul <laughs> that plays for the Jets. Yeah, um, the one, no, I couldn't name is no longer there. And let yeah, me yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jamal Adams gone. Darnold, I mean, <laughs> Darnold, man, I think he's got some talent. He's more athletic than people give him credit for. Like, I think he's a starter in the league. I don't know, you know, the total upside, but I think he'd be a quality starter, especially with those weapons around him. Do you think he could have a similar type of trajectory like Joe Burrow did in college? Because I kind of look at him as sort of similar in terms of what they can do. Now, we saw Burrow at the peak of his powers that last year at LSU, but look at all the people he had. He had Jamar Chase and all these dudes. Like, he had weapons everywhere. Uh, Darnold's going to have more weapons than he's ever had in his life. And that includes when he was playing at USC uh, going into this uh, 2021 season with the Panthers. We'll see how they do. Uh, the Patriots, everyone thought the Patriots were going to jump up. They were going to trade. Uh, Belichick was going to be aggressive because they spent all that money in free agency. And what happens? He does absolutely nothing. And the guy that everyone thought he wanted to get falls <laughs> in his lap at number 12, Mac Jones from Alabama. Is Mac Jones going to be Tom Brady 2.0? Because it's kind of feeling like that. That's, that body wise and athleticism, we can definitely agree on that. Um, Super Bowls and accomplishments. I don't know, man. That, that's a I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a big thing to be like, yo. <laughs> so you got to win seven titles during your career, buddy. You got to go to the right. Super Bowl literally every other year of your of your career. <laughs> I mean, I don't even wow. think he wins the starting job over Cam this year, to be honest. Bro. See, and that's a good question. What happens? Like, how Cam? This might be it for Cam. Like, if Cam can't string together a, a, a good season for the whole season. I, I fear that my dude is not going to be employed next year. Uh, he may be on TV or something or making movies or something. Uh, he's at the tail end here of, of of this career, and he's getting an opportunity to play for the Patriots. I'm giving him a pass on last year because of everything that happened. He got dropped in out of the sky literally like right before they started training camp. He couldn't even meet in person with those those coaches. He's learning the Patriot system on the fly. And then he gets COVID in the middle of the season and misses two weeks. And he didn't look right once he came back. I'm giving him a pass for all that. But if he comes out this year, and he's, yeah, the defense all opted out. <laughs> so it's like they couldn't stop anybody. They couldn't score. Cam couldn't throw it past 10 yards. And they still were like seven and nine. So they're getting all that back. Cam's going to have someone actually behind him that could take his job for the first time since probably middle school. And 
it's really on him. If he can, if he can play to the level we've seen him play, the Patriots can be really good. But I think Mac is in the the best position that he could have possibly landed in, landing in New England because all all they're going to do is make him wait until Cam just they can't put him out there no more or after the year they'll give him a year to install whatever they want him to do. Um, out of those five quarterbacks taken, and then we got to take our break. Out of the five quarterbacks taken in the first round, who do y'all think's got the best shot to get to a Super Bowl in the next three years? Justin Fields. Oh, wow. Oh, Chicago, Justin Fields, really? Yeah, yeah, I think so, man. Like, they got a lot of money to spend. They're already a really, really talented group. He's probably joining the most talented roster out of all the all the quarterbacks. And, I mean, honestly, you look at it, they got a lot of really, really good pieces already established in the league, like established players. I don't, I don't like Chicago's offense. Like, I'm trying to think of who else is on that offense. Um Tariq the only Cohen. person they have on that <laughs> offense is a tight end, Jimmy Graham, and he's showing signs of ready to oh, be Oh, man, ready. yeah, he's old. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> no, they're definitely going to have to spend some money now. But we seen it one time. Yeah. The Bills True. offense was ugly, and then Stephon Diggs came up in there. I was going uh, yeah, to mean, say, go ahead, Rod, real quick. Go ahead. No, that's what I was going to say, what you were going to say. Uh, Trey San Lance Francisco. over at San Francisco. Yeah, he. I think he would have the best chance of getting back to the Super Bowl just because he's a Kyle Shanahan type offense. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to give you a few games so that you can learn, figure out what's going on, vibe with Kyle Shanahan. And then he has a talent. I mean, he has that athletic ability that's actually going to open up the run of the running game because you and it's also going to open his passing game because he creates himself as that extra runner. And then so whenever he's also ready to pass, guess what? If they line up eight, nine in the box because they're scared that uh, Lance is going to run or everyone is scared that he's going to run to give the ball off to a running back, then, hey, guess what? He can create his own quick pass. Um, excuse me. He can create his own quick pass already done, just like my man in Baltimore. I can't even think of his name right now. What is his name in Baltimore? Uh, uh, Lamar, Lamar, Jackson. Lamar Jackson. He's that kind of player in a Kyle Shanahan-ran type of offense. So I can yeah. see him getting there first. Well, I just want to know who – I just want to know who's got the rotary phone or what was that? Oh, yeah, you got <laughs> so the landline. Like, yeah, that was there, the old school. I was like, yeah, that's my mama's phone. Yeah, what's good? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who's man, in trouble? That's my cell phone. That's how I know when I got somebody <laughs> yeah, to get yeah, the ring. So, so, so is Allen Robinson not in with the Bears anymore? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's there. He's there. He's I there. Mean, that's, he's that's don't, that's he's don't scare me. He's a receiver right there. Yeah, that's true. Who on San Francisco scares you? I mean, uh, I mean, they got, uh, they got, uh, what's the dude? Um, George Collette. George Kittle Collette, be banged the, up. He, he played like yeah. eight games a year. Yeah. They got like a Debo Samuel. Well, they just got a running uh, game, Samuel, man. Samuel, Anytime. Yeah, I don't know. Samuel, I don't know. And, <laughs> and, and Allen Robinson don't scare you, but Debo, Debo Samuel. Chicago's where quarterbacks' <laughs> careers go to die. Like the best quarterback in Chicago history is who? Like Jim McMahon? Or 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 Jay Cutler, Brandon. You know, you know the you know the San Francisco 49ers have had the last couple of years where they've averaged between you know three to five hundred yards rushing the game. Rushing is their thing. Oh, you talking about getting, And when you're talking about getting to the playoffs and then it's getting cold weather, running the ball and playing defense is where it's at. That's what got them to the Super Bowl oh, a couple of years ago. And, and, and I don't, I don't think they'll they break that formula. Yeah, they have a good it. rookie running back, though. I would say the big run game, I mean, it's looking a little brighter, I feel like. But that's yeah, they, they've got yeah. some work to do. But, guys, yeah. I'm going to be honest with y'all about one thing. Y'all ask which quarterback is going to get to the Super Bowl the quickest. I still think it's Trey Lance. However, you also ask what quarterback is in the guy in the best position in this draft. 
win, lose, or draw, the best, the quarterback in the best position is Mac Jones. You want to know why? Because Mm -hmm. Mac Jones, he gets an opportunity to possibly sit, learn behind Cam Newton. Then he possibly gets an opportunity to start. He's going to have a great coaching staff around him. But let's say worst case scenario, he throws the ball, jacks it up in practice, never even gets to start, and Bill Belichick hates him. Guess what? (laughs) He's going to leave Bill Belichick. Somebody's going to put a media, a marketing campaign around him, leaving Bill Belichick, and he's going to make $15 million a year as soon as he leaves. So he's in the best position ever. <laughs> Look, we're up against the break. We're going to just have to leave it right there. Mac Jones about to be the next uh, big thing like Brock Lesnar in the, uh, in the NFL. Uh, I got uh, Elena oh, Getzenberg from uh, the Charlotte Observer, beat writer for the Carolina Panthers. She'll be up next. Did the Panthers make a mistake drafting J.C. Horn when Justin Fields was still on the board at eight? We'll talk to Elena and what was going on in the draft room next. You're listening to Franchise Players on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. In professional sports, a franchise player is an athlete who is not simply the best player on their team, but one that the team can build their franchise around for the foreseeable future. Franchise players. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson. Follow us on Tobacco Radio on Twitter. Uh, with us right now, of course, our Carolina Panthers put in some work over the weekend. New general manager Scott Fitterer showing what he learned uh, in the the draft rooms of the Seattle Seahawks over the years, doing a lot of movement with head coach uh, uh, Matt Rule. So I had to go grab Elena Gatzenberg, beat writer for the Carolina Panthers for the Charlotte Observer, just to get a, in, a little bit of an insight of what went down this weekend. Uh, hey, Elena, what's going on? Hey, not much. Just like still needing more sleep. <laughs> Happy <laughs> this weekend, but I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on again. Sure, absolutely. So the first thing I saw on social media, and I probably need to get out of the habit of being on social media, period, because it just either it brings me down or <laughs> or I get the wrong idea of what the team's doing, as if these people on Facebook are running the team. I saw a lot of Panther fans that love the the first-round pick, J.C. Horn, the cornerback out of South Carolina. I saw a lot of fans and outsiders, meaning fan, people that were not fans of the Carolina Panthers or do not follow them as closely as we do, that second-guessed it because quarterbacks Justin Fields and Mac Jones were still on the board at number eight. What are your thoughts on the eighth pick of the first round, cornerback J.C. Horn, and why the Panthers went with a cornerback instead of quarterback in the first round? Yeah, it's interesting because I was also (laughs) – I was not – uh, I didn't, I, the Justin Fields, Justin Fields was a real possible, you know, a real possibility. There is something the Panthers, the Panthers really liked him, um, considered that. Um, but what's interesting about it is I think if they had, t- let's say they had taken Justin Fields at number eight, I think a lot of Panthers fans would be cl- complaining like, oh, why'd you give up so much for Sam Darnold? Like, I right. think, yeah, exactly. I don't know if people are ever happy. <laughs> Maybe that's a conversation for another day. But um, I think that's something real. You know, when they gave up, you give up a second round pick, a fourth round pick next year. And, you know, they got a lot of that back with some of the trades this year in a complicated mm-hmm. way. But yeah. um, you look at that, that's a lot to give up for someone who has, you know, now two years on this contract. Um, it's not an insignificant amount. I think second round pick is very valuable. Um, yeah. So I think that showed how in they were on Sam Darnold. I think that was the first sign of it. But I also think 
you know, this team isn't, they're not win, winning the Super Bowl this season. They're not, I, mean, I know it could be hard to hear, but they're not quite there yet. <laughs> and they're not supposed to be. They're building, you know, to have a successful team for many years. And I think having key pieces is a part of that. And they feel, felt really highly about J.C. Horn. And cornerback was absolutely a position of need. There was yes. not really a clear <laughs> starter. Um, and they got, you know, that's who they graded as the best defensive player on their board and it worked out. So I think, you know, I think they feel that JC Horn is a piece that can be built around on their defense um, for many years to come. And so I think that's why it made sense. I, I have a couple of friends that aren't Panther fans that, that uh, joke with me all the time. And when the pick went down, one of them's like, ah, oh, Panthers doing Panther things. You should have went after Devontae Smith. And I'm like, we have two 1,000-yard receivers right now. Like, why would we go after Smith? We didn't need it. Meanwhile, our defense can't get off the field. And we're in the NFC South where every other team has like a a 1 and 1A one wide receiver, it feels like. And we had Dante Jackson with one good foot. <laughs> and that was really it for the whole year. Like, I, I feel like people weren't paying attention to what was going on uh, in, the, in the Carolina secondary. Um, the, the GM Scott Fitter said about a week or so ago when they had that, I call it the press conference to increase the value of the eighth pick. Cause that's, like, <laughs> <I like laughs> that. that's literally all it was. It was basically them coming out and talking about, Hey, this eighth pick people are asking for it. They're calling yeah, around. It gives us some content. <laughs> so, you know, that's another part of it. <laughs> yeah. So in that press conference, I thought it was very curious that he said that there was one quarterback that the Panthers really liked. Clearly it wasn't Justin Fields or Matt Jones. Cause they were there when they had an availability at number eight. Who do you think that quarterback was that he was talking about? Um, so I think <laughs> I do know a little, there's only so much I can say. Um, they, that was a little bit of a joke. I think, mm. I think part of that was like, was it about uh, Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> Is that who yeah, he I, mean, okay. they, I think what he was, he was, they really did like Justin Fields um, and felt highly of him. They liked, you know, there were uh, there's only so much I could say here. Uh, they, they, uh, <laughs> I, can move, I can move it on to it. I don't want to get you in trouble. No, no. I was like, yeah, they liked, I mean, Trevor, I, was he, do I, do I know what Scott Fitter was thinking in that exact moment? What joke, or was he making a joke? Was he not? No. <laughs> they, did they really like Trevor Lawrence? Hell yeah. I mean, I think everything <laughs> in the NFL did, right? Like, yeah. had yeah. a high grade on him. So, could he have been referencing Trevor there? Absolutely. Um, but they did uh, like Justin Fields in general. You can follow her on Twitter at A. Getzenberg for the latest uh, on the beat for the Carolina Panthers at the Charlotte Observer. Elena Getzenberg joining us on Franchise Players. Um, talk to me a little bit about the maneuvering around the board by Scott Fitter. I, I read some of your article uh, earlier today. Uh, that you had out that talked about, you know, what they had been doing and moving around. It resulted in the most draft picks for the Panthers in a single draft since 1995, uh, their inaugural year when they were just putting a team together. Did you expect them to move around as much as they did? I think they had, uh, they ended up with 11 picks overall. They came in with seven, but they did a lot of wheeling and dealing pretty much from day one onward. Yeah, I <laughs> I wish I had told myself how much they would do. No, I mean, we knew, we knew it. it was absolutely, they were not leaving this draft without trading back at some point. That was like, I would have bet a lot of money on that if I was yeah. allowed to. Um, <laughs> but so that wasn't, it was, I think the way they did it on day two was a surprise where it was just like trade after trade after trade. To me, that was surprising. Um, and I think the other, you know, four of the trades were on day two and it's only two rounds. So it's not, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of shocking. Um, it was three down and one up. Um, but 
I think the surprising part was that the speed of it day two and then the volume of it. You know, I don't think I, I did not expect five trades. That's a, a, a lot. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, it, it resulted in a lot more players. It resulted in more players than they obviously would have gotten otherwise. Um, and I think an interesting part about, you know, obviously Scott Fitter's background with the Seahawks, you know, primed him for this. He learned from that. But another element that, like, Matt Rule also is in on trading back. Like, I think sometimes people forget that. Like, he, you know, last year, they, when they thought about taking Derek Brown or moving back, you know, Rule was a part of that. And, you know, he went – the amount of stake we should put in this, I think, is limited. But, you know, <laughs> Matt Rule went fishing with Jimmy Johnson <laughs> a couple <laughs> weeks ago, and he definitely – I mean, talk to him. That's not why they traded back five times. But, you it, know, it, I think to it, put it all on – It had a little Jimmy's little – <laughs> Jimmy stink on it a little though. I mean, it was very reminiscent. <laughs> like, As I'm listening to him, like this feels familiar. I just can't place my finger on where I've seen this before. Listen, I mean, <laughs> don't don't count out the fishing trips. But um, <laughs> I mean, I I'm, I say that just to get to the fact that like it wasn't you know it's not Scott Fitter solely um, with the vision of trading back. It was a combined effort, and you know they executed a draft plan. Yeah, and I, and I loved it because for me, and I know you went through this too, watching this team every week last year, I think the number one concern for me was depth. Like we got to a certain point of the year where it was just like, we just didn't have any bodies. Like people were just getting hurt and they were bringing guys in off the street, it felt like, to play cornerback and uh, CMC's gone the whole year. And it just felt like we just didn't have enough guys to really get in a rhythm. And they, they did start getting in a rhythm a little bit towards the end of the year, those last three or four games. You could tell they were playing better and starting to buy in. They just have enough guys. So for them to come out of this draft with 11 guys and you got to hope that out of this hall, you get at least, you know, three or four starters. I would think out of 11 picks, you would think that uh, maybe you might be able to get that. And a lot of contributors uh, depth wise for the team. Let's talk a little bit about Sam Darnold. Uh, how surprised were you that the Panthers seemed to focus more on helping Sam Darnold in the draft? And maybe maybe that's the wrong way to put it, because I don't think they went into it thinking, oh, let's go get Sam some weapons. But that's kind of how it played out in the end. They ended up getting some things that they needed for the offensive line, a couple wide receivers, uh, a, a very nice running back. Um, did, did it surprise you they seemed to focus more on helping Darnold in the draft as opposed to drafting, say, competition for Darnold? Or should we have just listened to Rule and Fitterer when they traded for him in the first place, like I said at the beginning of the segment? Because they didn't really hide you know, their intentions with Sam Darnold. We just thought they were lying to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting thing. Um, I was not surprised. They, you know, after, I think after drafting seven defensive players last year, you know, if they didn't focus some on the offense, <laughs> there maybe <laughs> would have been an uprising. Um, in terms of the quarterback position specifically, you know, I guess I, I thought that they might take someone late, um, just kind of a backup, but they also have like, solid backup options i mean pj and will and in terms of i mean poor will but in terms yeah. of <laughs> for that starting role uh no i mean i think i think as soon as they passed on fields was the only like i think some people are like connecting the mac jones dots that wasn't they were never taking mac jones 
Yeah, I didn't feel that. I, I know they coached him in the Senior Bowl and all that stuff. Yeah, people were like, oh, yeah, they might Matt get him. Likes him, but that that doesn't mean they were going to take him with the yeah. eighth overall pick. They yeah, were, they could um, be they could be friends, and he doesn't have to take him at number eight. It's it's okay. It's exactly, right. exactly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I think as soon as the Fields thing passed, it was Sam Darnold's job. I mean, it's and he's going to have the opportunity now. I mean. They can get out of this easily, you know, after two years. So he, he's got a limited time to prove it to them. What was the deal with them extending him after Thursday night? Was there any story behind why they waited after the first round to, to give him his fifth year? Or is that just how it ended up? It felt like there was some kind of plan going on that we weren't privy to. And then after the first round was over, I wake up uh, Friday morning and lo and behold, Darnold's got his fifth year extension all of a sudden. Was there any reason why they waited until Friday? Yeah, I think I think well, I think we're going to have a hard time ever getting the clearest of clear answers to that because a part of that is definitely it benefited the Panthers um, for us for our other teams to think that they were seriously considering a quarterback at eight. Um, oh right, yeah. In yeah, terms yeah. of getting trade offers, and which they did, but they just didn't get anything they felt was quite enough um, for J.C. Horn. But I think you know a part of that is if you you know, pick up that fifth year option before the draft, it kind of lays out your cards on the table a little bit more. So I do think that was a large part of it. Um, but the expectation, and we reported, a lot of people reported leading up that they would pick it up. And that was, that seemed to be the plan all along. It was just a little, little bit of confusing people, which, which they had certainly must've had a fun time doing. I was going to say it's, it's refreshing to see the Panthers front office playing chess instead of checkers with like the rest of the league. Cause usually it's pretty straightforward. We want that guy. We want that pick. You know, it's nothing really, you don't really catch a whiff that there's a larger scheme <laughs> taking place here. Yeah. And, and I, that was the first thing I kept pointing out. I'm like, they keep saying they're with Darnold with Darnold, but they're not giving him the fifth year option. Why, why, why? And what you just said there rings true. If they'd given it to him before the draft and people would think, oh, well, they're probably not going to pick a quarterback. We don't have to give him as much for this pick if we go up, that kind of thing. So, or we don't have to go up at all because they're not going to pick a QB. So I can get that logic. That that makes a, a lot of sense, actually. Uh, Elena Getzenberg on the line with us here from the Charlotte Observer, beat writer for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, out of all of these guys that they picked, uh, Elena, who, in your opinion, as we sit here at the beginning of the first week after the draft, who is the steal of this draft class in your eyes for the Panthers? Ooh, good question. I really liked um, – there's a couple guys, actually, that could have fit this. But I really liked okay. the Davion Nixon pick. Mm, um, yeah. The defensive tackle out of Iowa. Uh, to me, that just, like – I we had mocked him at the charlotteobserver.com, had mocked him um, – to the Panthers and all the fun mock drafts that everyone just loves um, <laughs> because the need of defensive tackle was real, but this was also um, a really bad class um, at the position, but they managed to get a player who maybe he won't start, you know, this year, maybe he'll be kind of a backup kind of in that rotation that they have on the defensive line, but he's a really solid player, someone who can play that three technique spot and, they lost that, you know, with letting go, letting KK go and Zach Kerr. Um, so I think that it was a great steal to get him in the fifth round. I think a lot of people didn't think he would still be there. Yeah, I was actually, uh, I think I was driving around um, on Saturday when all that was taking place. Uh, so I was kind of listening to it on uh, the radio through uh, Fox Sports and just kept hearing uh, Panthers trade down, Panthers trade down. And then like <laughs> randomly there'd be a pick in there. <laughs> And like I would, I would hear the name, and I'm like, how in the world did they get that guy in the fourth, or how did they get that guy in the fifth? And this guy, he was all Big Ten, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. uh, uh, one of those kind of 
pedigree guys, I guess, that Rule talks about all the time that he wants to build culture with. Uh, I noticed that a lot of these guys that they picked in the middle rounds were like all conference type guys, uh, like all SEC, all Big Ten, all Big 12 or whatever, all American guys like Brady Christensen or whatever. So they, they got a lot of value for where they traded back down to. Who do you think out of all those players, kind of same question, but a little bit of a twist, who do you think or who would you put money on to make a Pro Bowl first out of this class, if any? Oh, God, don't make me answer that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I should rephrase it. Who do you think is who? who is the guy in this group that has the most star potential? OK, yeah. um, <laughs> there's a couple. Actually, I mean, I think. I think JC Horn could get there. Um, I think, and that's like an easy one because he was in the first round, but I think he's going to be set up. I think this defense is really, I see where this, you know, the defense mm-hmm. is really coming together and I think that will benefit him. But the other one, I mean, who Terrace Marshall Jr. Like I think he could be the wide receiver from LSU. Like he could be really good. I mean, he's set up, he's going to be set up to succeed. He's with Joe Brady, who he was with in 2019. Joe Brady knows how to use him. And honestly, he's with a really good group of wide receivers. He might not have the biggest rookie year, but to me, like Robbie Anderson's going to be a free agent next off season. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously DJ will still be there, but he, you know, Robbie coming back is not a guarantee. And so I think, and he might play more in the slot anyway, but I think he'll be set up where he could be a really flashy player for them um, and someone who will have all the tools at his disposal to be the best he could be in the NFL. I, I think for me, the biggest surprise uh, was Deontay Brown from Alabama, getting mm-hmm. him as late as they did. The dude looks like the size of a house. And, <laughs> <laughs> like literally, I, I went to go check him. I think he's 6'3", 345 or something like that. And uh, never allowed a sack during his career at Alabama, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, place guard. Um, I know he was a later round pick. I, I believe he was all SEC. Uh, how Do you think he has a good shot of getting on the squad? Because the offensive line is kind of in flux in terms of, I know they signed free agents and then they drafted a couple of guys. So it looks like it's really going to be more about competition at that, that uh, position to build the best offensive line they can. Do you think Deontay Brown's got a good shot to make this uh, this final man roster? Yeah, I think he could definitely make um, the 53. I don't think he's going to be starting um, this year, but I think he'll have a, definitely have an opportunity to compete for one of those spots. Um, it's interesting, the offensive line, you know, also Brady Christensen, who they selected in the third round. Those two, you know, it's going to be really interesting. They both can play multiple positions. You know, they – um, have high upside, but it's how they develop some of these um, players and where they put them, where they think they'll succeed. I think they both could have a chance to be, you know, key pieces of this offensive line, but there, there's some unknowns involved. So I definitely think um, Brown has that potential. There's a game, if you have some time on your hands, watching him against Derek Brown <laughs> in oh. an Alabama-Auburn game. Yeah. Fascinating tape. <laughs> I, I think I've I heard of this fable game. <laughs> Is this the game where they were blocking Derek Brown with like three guys at one point? <laughs> there was, but Deontay Brown, had, you know, he got the upside of him a couple times. So I just, I highly, I highly recommend it. I'm going to I'm go, go digging for it. I'm definitely going to go digging Some for brown it. Some brown-on-brown action. They <laughs> yeah. have teammates and they'll get to compete in practice. So. <laughs> and real quick, real quick yeah. before I let you go, Elena, we were talking before we came on. Uh, you said we had some uh, somewhat breaking news. It's already out on Twitter or whatnot now, but um, referring uh, to Luke Keekley and uh, a former fan favorite for the Panthers. Uh, what was going on exactly? 
Yeah, so a couple of like just front office stuff. You know, this stuff always comes out after the draft. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, decided to leave. He resigned from his position as pro scout with the team. He's been with the team just for the past year. Um, and it's just kind of, he actually told them in March. So this is already happened a while ago, but we're all just finding out about it. Um, and you know, it's not, he's health wise. He's fine. It's more of just him deciding to take a step back from football and, you know, do what's best for him. So I think, yeah, good for him. Yeah, good for him. And then yeah. the other news is that, you know, the Panthers, there's been this elusive assistant GM job that <laughs> has not been filled or anything happened with it since Matt Rule got hired. It was actually brought up. And now they're trying, they're starting to request interviews with guys. And one of those is uh, former Panthers linebacker Dan Morgan, who's currently works in the Bills front office. So, oh, of course he does. <laughs> it was like, it was like everyone, once they leave Carolina, they go to Buffalo, whether a player, personnel, referees coaches whatever it's like if, if they were here yeah if they're here they're going to they're going to carolina north up in uh in buffalo so you're thinking that uh dan's got a good shot at uh being considered for the assistant gm here for sure because uh he and scott fitter the panthers gm actually go back um they worked together in seattle for many years so they're close yep. friends and i think he will absolutely have a nice chance at landing this one uh, and we'll see how it goes. They'll probably fill that position pretty quickly. Follow her on Twitter at A. Getzenberg for the latest Carolina Panthers news. The draft might be over, but we know the NFL is 365 days a year. So I'm sure something will happen over the next like couple of weeks. And we'll be able to talk to Elena again soon. We always appreciate having you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Coming up, more from franchise players on Tobacco Road, sportsradio.com.